Welcome to episode 25 of the Philosopher Science Podcast, the podcast about free, libre, and open source software for science. Today, David and I are interviewing Kurt Kremitzky about FreeCAD, a free and open source general purpose parametric 3D computer-aided design modeler. Hi, Kurt. Thank you for being with us today. Could you please introduce yourself? Yeah. So as you said, uh, my name is Kurt Kremitzky. Uh, during the day, I work at a company called InThought, which is, uh, I guess, broadly speaking, is sort of a scientific computing consulting company. Uh, and we're sort of centered around the scientific Python ecosystem. And uh, our founder and CEO, Eric Jones, uh, was actually one of the original authors of SciPy. And so we also sponsor the SciPy conference every year in Austin, Texas. Yeah. So in college, uh, so I originally uh, studied computer science. But my program, it was very focused on Java. And I found I really, really didn't enjoy that. And I wasn't motivated. You know, computer science for its own sake was not super interesting. And so I dropped out and then was working various jobs for a few years trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And so I eventually found uh, with the, the discipline of biosystems engineering. Uh, and so I got my bachelor's from Texas A&M's uh, biological and agricultural engineering department. Uh, and so biosystems engineering uh, sort of draws from what I call the big four engineering disciplines of civil, mechanical, chemical, and electrical. And so it kind of takes whatever can get to solve problems that are often very difficult. And so I sometimes I like to compare it to sort of like a multi-class and Dungeons and Dragons, where uh, you know maybe you take a few levels of fighter and a few levels of wizard and maybe a few levels of rogue to sort of balance yourself out. So it's sort of a specialized generalist discipline i kind of get it so it's more like using the engineering method to solve uh, general problems that are, that are linked between those fields so that's that's interesting having a systematic approach there and how did you get involved in the free project uh so around 2012 or so uh i was kind of in the decision of going back to school and trying to uh, at the same time i was also switching to linux full-time And so I was looking for software that was in that sort of CAD area that was also following the free software philosophy. In which year? And this was around 2012. Okay, so not, not a lot back then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so uh, I, I found FreeCAD around the time, but it was very difficult to use. Uh, there was, you know, I could tell that the core was there and there were some very interesting screenshots from some expert users as far as what was possible, but it was just, you know, too difficult uh, to use as sort of a newbie. Uh, and so I was just kind of uh, following the project, seeing how the development was going. And around 2015, I noticed that there's a, you know, maybe a couple of releases since I first found it and the usability, a few of the major pain points had been smoothed out. And so at that point, I, I was like, I think I'm ready. I want to try to get a pull request accepted in the project. And, and that way I'll kind of, uh, kind of get my feet wet with it. Okay. Did you have any experience uh, prior with other, other 3D CAD applications before working on FreeCAD? Yeah. So I, I had, uh, not exactly for 3D CAD, but I did take a engineering graphics course and that covered 2D CAD and specifically we use AutoCAD. Okay. You only use 2D CADs before. So no experience with other 3D CADs such as uh, Autodesk Inventor, Katia, or uh, any other of the bigs? No, no. It's, it's, it's kind of a, an interesting you know, question. And when it comes to sort of these commercial software and the, the floss alternatives, 
uh, you know, you have this potential for, you know, someone saying, oh, well, you've copied this commercial software. And so I'm actually kind of lucky, uh, you know, working on FreeCAD and that I haven't actually used any of those other 3D CADs. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sort of immune from any potential litigation in that regard, uh, <laughs> ideally, at least. Yeah. And similar way as the guys, the guys from uh, React OS. Oh, yeah. That's the sort of a Windows type implementation, uh, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. They need to do clean room re-implementation to avoid any lawsuits or any problem. So yeah, okay, that's good. So you 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 come you come from a clean slate. Exactly. What would be your one minute elevator pitch for FreeCAD? So FreeCAD is really interesting because uh, it has this potential to sort of have an integrated uh, design, engineering, and manufacturing suite. And so right now, for example, you know you can do the part design workbench, and you can make this parametric part. And then you can switch over to the finite element modeling workbench and you can go in and set some constraints and sort of see how this, this geometry will behave under your, your engineering constraints. And then uh, if, let's say, that geometry is okay or that model is okay, then you can go into the path workbench and you can generate G-code to actually manufacture that part using something like a plasma cutter or a CNC mill. And so there's this really interesting uh, integrated uh, opportunity there. And besides that, uh, FreeCAD also is sort of unique because the leading CAD options, they're all either super expensive, you know, on the order of like $10,000, or they're free with a really big asterisk next to it. And you kind of have to check the fine print as far as what that means exactly. And so FreeCAD sort of offers the shared ownership model of free software. And so potentially uh, the total cost of ownership of this software can, you know, go down to zero or even negative. Okay. What is the current general development status of FreeCAD? Uh, the current general development status of FreeCAD uh, it is officially a beta. And so, it, you know, the version number leads with a zero. And so you can kind of see that. What that really means, though, is that, you know, we definitely have a commitment to making sure that if you have a file that works in one version of FreeCAD, the recent version of FreeCAD, then it should continue to work. Uh, but some of the details, like let's say the actual Python API, uh, or even let's say a macro, if you were to record a macro, that may need an adaptation. Um, so we aren't being you know completely seated up our pants in the development, uh, especially because we are actually probably going to be out of beta status before too long. Okay. By which version do you mean? Because right now I think you're at 0.18. So yeah, the most re- recent release is version 0.18, and the development version right now is 0.19. Without getting too much into the roadmap, because I may get to that in a later question, I would say that probably after version, maybe version 20, 0.20, may actually be version 1.0. Really, the it's kind of jumping ahead, the, the main limitation from a, a 1.0 release for a lot of us is full assembly implementation. And I'd say we're fairly close to that, but it's pretty complicated. Okay. So we'll come back to the assembly later on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. FreeCAD has a lot of uh, building information modeling tools, BIM, which are kind of a special features of FreeCAD. Can you elaborate what are building information modeling software? Yeah. So uh, BIM or building information modeling. Uh, so this, it actually has its own workbench in FreeCAD now, but originally this was, was sort of an offshoot or an extension of the Arch workbench. Uh, which is sort of for architectural design. And the main developer of that, uh, Jörg van Haver, he is also, he's actually an architect. And so he's sort of leading the the charge in, in the project as far as the integration of BIM into FreeCAD. And uh, BIM, mainly, we're, we're using a, a Python a library called IFC OpenShell. And so that allows us to manipulate what they call uh, 
IFC or industry foundation classes. And that's sort of just the, the interchange format for BIM. And so what that is, is it represents the call like physical infrastructure data. Let's just say you have just a standard office building. You know, you have sort of the, the HVAC system, the electrical systems, uh, emergency control systems, uh, security systems, and so forth. And so all of that physical infrastructure can be modeled in a combined way. And so especially uh, in regards to things like HVAC, you can actually do building level analysis using the entire building uh, representation digitally. Okay. Like to, to do an analysis of airflow within your building to make sure that every room has proper airflow and all of that. Exactly. Or even potentially 3D. And you can also, um, there's a, there's actually a feature in FreeCAD, I believe called the arch site. And so with that, you can actually have a, like a solar diagram for a particular location integrated with your model. And so then you can uh, do measurements based on, let's say, the average heating from the sun, uh, certain angles of the building and actually have a, a sort of a, a object in your model that represents the sun moving. And so you can have that, that sort of heating behavior change with time. Okay. So it's not just something about the material, but it is more about the, the general systems within the building as well being represented like with the, the standard. Okay. In your explanation of BIM, you mentioned the workbench and you also mentioned there's an architecture workbench in FreeCAD. Could you explain to our audience what a workbench is in FreeCAD? Yeah, that's definitely something I should mention. Uh, so FreeCAD, one of the main uh, draws for it is that it has a very modular architecture. And these these are, it's based around the concept of a workbench, which is sort of a, a specific to an application. And so, for example, we have, uh, as I mentioned, the finite element modeling workbench. And so that has the tools and, the uh, you know, let's say create a new mesh type of buttons that you would use to interact with your existing model. Uh, and so these are often Python-based, uh, but you can also have uh, native C++ workbenches as well. Okay. The development of each of these workbench, I, I suppose they're all independent from each other? Yeah. So we have sort of core workbenches that are actually in uh, the, free, the main FreeCAD Git repository. And then we also have uh, sort of third-party workbenches. Um, and of those, we have sort of the more popular ones, which have been added to Uh, we have an add-on manager in FreeCAD. And so you can actually install that directly from within the program. And so that just clones, usually it just clones a Git repository into the correct location and adds that functionality. What are the basic workbench that are already in the FreeCAD? Um, so yeah, with, with the workbenches, there's quite a few, uh, but there are sort of basic ones or lower level ones. And then there are higher level ones, which are maybe composites or extensions of the lower level ones. And so some of the lower level ones are, for example, part, which just has very basic geometry and Boolean operations and so forth. And then you also have uh, draft, which is a little bit more advanced, uh, uses part. And so but it's mostly oriented for 2D design and it's very similar to AutoCAD. Uh, and then you also have Sketcher, which is a parametric uh, 2D operations to be used for the part design workbench. So these are also sort of higher level ones. And then you have the very highest level ones, sort of design or specific workflow, uh, such as finite element work, the finite element modeling workbench or the path workbench. Okay. 
and I suppose in the drafting workbench, you probably can import a part and then project it to get a 2D representation of a part and then add uh, dimensions and tolerances on, on a drawing so that you can print out an engineering uh, draft of your part. So in draft, you can do that sort of thing. It's, it's fairly freeform, so you can have text inside of the the model and so forth. But if you actually are wanting uh, technical drawings, there's a, there's a tech draw workbench that's specifically designed for that. And that is, it's very interesting because you actually can uh, create your model, uh, you know, your 3d model, and then you can have various representations of that in, embedded inside of your, inside of your technical drawing. And you can also add, um, you know, dimensions like you mentioned. Okay. And these are all linked back to the initial parts, like in the commercial CAD applications. Exactly. And so you have, uh, you know, usually when you're, depending upon the sorts of changes you're making, you may want to have uh, automatic recompute of the technical drawing uh, turned on. But, you know, you can also have performance concerns if you're making lots of changes, uh, re, you know, recomputing everything, the entire model tree, every single time you make any sort of change. Uh, can be very expensive or if you're making major topological differences between your parts where like okay this this distance doesn't exist anymore because one of the leading edge or like the dimensions with attached could disappear with your modification of the part yeah exactly like you mentioned if you have instability in your model um where let's say there are two two solutions that are very close in uh when you're trying to solve for the big matrix that is your model representation and you can have that instability. And so another instance of it is just in sort of a more mundane case where if you are going in and let's say you're in the input for like the height of a cube or something like that, if you're just pressing the up arrow, you know, every time that calculation has to happen very quickly over and over. So you're going to have bad performance if you have redraw turned on every time. Okay. okay, previously we spoke about the finite element modeling workbench. What kind of finite element libraries are integrated? So uh, it's a pretty big, big topic because, you know, with FreeCAD, we just have Python. And so it's specific, or it's specialized as sort of a glue language. And so the potential is really, really big, but sort of the user-friendly potential is, is a little smaller at the moment. So I guess there's the two sides. There's the meshers and solvers. And then also post-processing options. And so for for meshers, the most well-integrated we have is Gmesh. Uh, and then we're also, uh, we have less well-integrated functionality with NetGen. And then as far as the solver, the best, best integrated one we have is Calculix. Uh, and that's mainly for, I'd say, thermomechanical analysis, a lot, really mostly structural. But the nice part about Calculix is that it's sort of an, the abacus format. And so that's sort of a, a more... Uh, popular, more mainstream finite element uh, format. And so with the Calculix uh, integration working so well, for example, if you had Abacus, it would it should basically work just as a plug-and-play or a drop-in integration. Okay. Can you feed back like, the results from the simulation back into the part model and to uh, optimize the geometry automatically, or you need to change your geometry manually based on the results you get from the simulation? One thing I forgot to mention also uh, for the last uh, answer, for the last question rather, we also have a third-party CFD workbench that uses OpenFoam. Oh, okay. And so that's in development right now. And if you're interested in that, you can check it out on the forum. And so um, to get to the question that you just asked, Uh, so it is it's possible, but uh, in certain situations it's it's a little easier than others. And so you can use um, let's say 
when you are creating your constraints, you can use a parametric design. And so you can link something into a spreadsheet inside the, the spreadsheet workbench. Um, but as far as hooking that all up, the machine to do that is fairly manual right now. Although there's an effort uh, by Micro Ellie on the forums, he's using uh, something called PyFlow. And so that's sort of a graphical design as far as uh, constraints. I haven't used LabVIEW, but I think that in terms of the approach, it may be somewhat similar where you have sort of a drag and drop interface for various parts of your model. And so you can sort of have the, the flow back of the results of your, your calculation in an easier way. Okay. So does FreeCAD support multi-physics simulations? So not, it, it does, but it's it's a sort of a, at the level where you would really need to be probably a, a programmer to be able to do it because it's it's fairly manual. So yes, but not in a very ergonomic way. Okay. What, what Which way would a user need to do? Like, uh, would it need like uh, Python coding to create the model and to use some features and to like to talk directly to Calculix? Or how would a user approach that kind of problem? Yeah, so if someone was interested in doing multi-physics simulations in FreeCAD, you would want to probably dig into the the FIM workbench. And in there, for example, you have a part where you know it takes what's in the in the model and then it spits out a file that it sends to Calculix. And so you would need to have uh, additional, um, let's say, additional Python code in, let's say, a custom workbench. Um, and that would have to hook into that so that maybe you would modify the file or you would have the input for that file be the result of another simulation. And so you would have to basically become a developer for the, the FIM Workbench or have a developer level familiarity with it. Yeah, or you might as well go with other tools that already do a multiphysic by themselves at that point. Yeah, and so for example, in, in that regard, I think Salome may be available to do that. That's a sort of a related project that also uses Open Cascade, the same geometry and topology kernel as FreeCAD. Yeah, or Elmer, I think, as well, can do multiphysic. Yeah, and so FreeCAD also has Elmer integration, but it's probably the least established of the, the ones. Um, and so it, I believe it was a, maybe a Google Summer of Code project, but there hasn't been much, uh, sort of hasn't been someone else to pick up the banner and continue that project. So we talked about the drafting uh, earlier to generate 2D drawings. You talked about model update. Is it uh, auto-updating or is it like a button you need to click on to, to re-update the drawings when the geometry are changed? Or is it a manual operation to regenerate the drawing? Uh, so I, I think that this may have changed recently because I, I believe in the past it was always automatic. And so now I believe it's uh, there may be a preference that was added. Um, and so it, it's possible to have it automatically update. Okay. Um, but there's performance concerns. And mm -hmm. so uh, you can also just do it manually where inside of the, the model tree, there will be a little uh, indicator that, to show that something has changed. And so then uh, you can, there's several ways to sort of force a calculation and you can just do that whenever you actually want to see the results of what you've changed. Okay. What kind of annotation can you have on the drawings? Could you have like probably normal tolerance plus or minus uh, a dimension, but can you also have geometric tolerances? So in TechDraw, uh, I, I believe the annotations do support that, but there's actually a specialized uh, GD&T, so geometric dimensioning and tolerancing workbench. that's uh, not integrated into FreeCAD's core, but it is available through the add-on manager. And so that's sort of more... Uh, 
more specific to that purpose. Okay. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. It's actually fairly well done. I think it was uh, someone's master's thesis. They posted about it on the forum. Okay, is it still under development? Uh, so I don't believe it's under active development right now. Okay. How does FreeCAD compare to other um, 2D drawing software like LibreCAD or QCAD? Yeah, people often come into the forums uh, and ask us this sort of question. And we don't really hesitate to recommend LibreCAD if someone's really specific to a 2D drawing environment and they don't really need the 3D 3D drawing. And one of the reasons for that is that, uh, you know, besides that FreeCAD is 3D first, we actually have sort of a, there's a, one of the areas of ongoing development is the fact that when you're doing 2D drawing, you have a lot of individual objects rather than, you know, an object with several geometric components. And so we have sort of performance concerns. Uh, and so there's sort of a, like a central object in FreeCAD. One of the central objects is called the document object. And so every point, every line, when you have these very, very large drawings is its own object in the tree. And so that's it's too heavyweight. There's an ongoing development by a guy who's a transportation engineer in Illinois. His work often involves fairly complicated 2D drawings of, let's say, highways and so forth. And so he's very interested in getting better performance for the sort of 2D, 2D area. But right now, I would say if, if that's your main focus, 2D, you should probably try LibreCAD. There are many commercial parametric 3D CAD applications, such as CATIA and SolidWorks from the Salt Systems, Inventor from Autodesk, SolidEdge, Pro Engineer, Siemens NX. Is there any way for FreeCAD to open files from any of these competitors? In question marks. <laughs> yeah, so I would say that your best option is probably going to be step files, and that's just because those retain uh, some information about your model in a better way than what's probably the most common interchange, which is STL files. And so if you actually want, let's say, a high-fidelity model with perhaps the colors uh, and so forth of your original model preserved, then the step file is your best bet. Um, but unfortunately, on the Internet, a lot of what you find are STLs, And with those, you'll have problems because it's a triangulation. I, I'm feeling your pain with this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah exactly. Like just doing assembly in normal CAD soft in other CAD software that support assembly, just selecting a facet or like it's almost impossible to use these models, the STL models. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the main problems that people have when they have these STL models is that they'll go in and they'll want to do something with it, like let's say a Boolean operation. And so they'll want to get the difference and then they'll end up slicing a hole in their model and it, it no longer is manifold. And so it's, or it's not watertight in other words. And so it'll have an inside that, you know, is not, doesn't have an outside The inside communicates with the outside. There's no fixed, no proper boundary between the inside and the outside. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of times you'll have various graphical glitches where, you know, the, the lighting for the, the inside face, you know, it doesn't calculate correctly. And so the model will appear to be black. And so that's a fairly common problem people see working with these SDL files. Okay, but is the step format a standardized open CAD file format? So I could export one model with, for example, CATIA, and can I import this model in FreeCAD or vice versa, or is it not working at all? 
Yes, so that does work. It's just that there may be, uh, let's say, particulars. Uh, I haven't heard of any major issues, but there may be some, uh, let's say, if there's something proprietary in your original model, it may not make it into the step file. But if, if you do find any issues, you know, be interested to hear about them, we could file a bug and, and try to fix them. Yeah, I've used the, the step conversion a few years ago. There was... Um urban tab yeah, a small vehicle you know, that i had access to the step file it took quite some time to open it up i think it was in freecad 0.15 or 0.16 i don't remember which version it was back then but or maybe even 0.14 but yeah i opened it up I, I could look it up i could turn it around i didn't change the model but uh yeah it opened it well it just took time to convert it from the step file to the original freecad format in there yeah, and actually, uh, it's interesting that you mentioned that because there was a development, I think, around the 0.16 release where I think the feature may still be experimental, but there's a, there's an option uh, to use vertex buffer objects. And so uh, when you have very complicated step files, uh, for example, I had one that was of a, of a server, of a, a rack server. And so you open that and, it, you know, the... It'll take you several minutes to open, but with this experimental VBO functionality, it dropped down, I think, you know, an order of like uh, 20 or something like that. And so there was a very big speed up, but there was a couple of bugs that were associated with it. And so it's not quite mainline. Okay. What is the FreeCAD's native file format? So FreeCAD uses uh, .fcstd files or FreeCAD standard, uh, but that's really just a zip file. And so if you have one, you can just run unzip on it. Or even if you're on Windows, just rename the extension and then you can, you can unzip it and look and see what's inside of the file. And if you, if you were to do that, you would see there's a couple um, XML manifests and those manifests describe the other files inside of that archive. And so, for example, you might have an object that represents um, a certain lighting property of, of your model, or you might have the actual raw um, you know, the actual boundary uh, representation of the file or other uh, various things that can be uh, imported into the model. Okay. Would it be possible to use a versioning system to uh, alter, like to keep, to keep version of files by reading those values? Like, like in Git or any code versioning system, you have access to the raw code so you can um, do difference and compare versions uh, with a binary file format with usual CAD system. You cannot do such, but the fact that it, it, the data is hidden within zip, is it still possible to compare and to do versioning? with the free get files well so it, it's possible to do versioning uh but the comparison is is not so useful it's kind of similar to jupyter notebooks if you've ever tried to look at the diffs in those uh in git the actual diff is mostly garbage because it's got all the other stuff in there and so you can you can do that but it doesn't really uh represent the the diff isn't really semantic in that way uh, but there is ongoing development to do that i think it's more than one front uh, because there's quite a bit of interest in being able to do that and I, and I think the approach that's probably going to end up working is actually a special way to serialize the file into something that makes sense to version and get so basically it would be something that you could use to recreate the freecad file but uh, it may not be the freecad file itself okay so what other file formats can be imported or exported by FreeCAD? So it's a huge list. Um, I would say the, some of the important ones that people would be interested in, uh, there is the DXF support. Besides that, there's also DWG support, um, but it's sort of a complicated topic because 
uh, the licensing issues around the Libre, the DWG that was uh, GPL three, and like Freecad was GPL two back then. So you had to. Yeah. Uh, I I don't remember the exact details, but I, I've seen stuff around that. Yeah, exactly. I just remember a couple of years ago reading some article about you know the licensing confusion, just because I think Freecad may have even been removed from Debian at some point because of it, temporarily at least. Yeah, uh, it uses Libre DWG um, for the for those files. But yeah, so the list I'm looking at the list right now, and it's it's pretty extensive. Um, I guess a couple other ones that might be interesting to mention uh, are VRML, and so uh, that has some applications in robotics. Um, and then BREP is uh, sort of a BREP, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's sort of the the native format for FreeCAD, uh, at least as far as Open Cascade is concerned, and so that's a, a nice format because it represents uh, everything in terms of the limits. And so, rather than actually de defining a surface in a particular location, it says that uh, you know defines it in, like in terms of the calculus limits. And so, basically, that can be as precise as you need it to be. Mm -hmm. Based on equation. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and so um, it also can work with G-code. So the, the path workbench where sort of the G-code-like uh, functionality is, it doesn't actually spit out G-code directly, um, but it can export it. And then also uh, we have interchange with OpenSCAD, uh, which is a fairly popular uh, alternative uh, floss CAD program. Uh, people like it because uh, it's sort of programmatic, and so uh, I think they call it the programmer's CAD. And so you can... Uh, directly import the file, but you can also uh, just use the OpenSCAD workbench, which just calls out to the program and you can continue working directly in FreeCAD. Um, there is a, a Python interface to extend the functionality of FreeCAD. Uh, can you elaborate on the integration of Python within FreeCAD and how it can be used? Because from what I've heard in the past, some functionalities were present within FreeCAD, but not accessible through the graphical user interface. User had to use um, some Python commands to access some features. Uh, how much Python is integrated within FreeCAD? Yeah, so when you open FreeCAD, one of the first things you may notice is... Uh, you know, depending upon your settings, there should be a Python interpreter right inside the program. It's interesting because uh, when you click a button on, on the interface, there's actually a Python command being executed. And so uh, one thing you can do is use the macro system in FreeCAD. Uh, there's a little record button. And so you can go ahead and perform some operations after clicking record and then go in and look at the actual Python that was executed by the program. And so for the most part, you know, we try to expose... What, you know the Python that has been written, but there may be something that you want to do that we haven't thought of yet, and so that's a really good way to get some inspection into or some introspection into what the program is doing and what you can do with the Python as well. Okay, and is there still a lot of features that are not available in the, the, the graphical user interface, but are available with Python code? I wouldn't say not necessarily in Python code, but I would say uh, there may be some things in you may have to go a level lower into the C++ to do some things. But, you know, I guess if you wanted to, you can. It's it's very transparent as far as the functionality. Okay. We briefly talked about it earlier, but uh, one of the main features that is not yet finished for FreeCAD is an assembly module. Uh, that is actually one of the things that 
prevents me from using it much more than what it should be used. There have been many attempts in the past to tackle the specific problems. Uh, like I, if you look up the forum right now, there is assembly, assembly two, assembly two plus, assembly three, assembly four, many different attempts at uh, making uh, the specific modules. Uh, what is the current state of assemblies in FreeCAD officially? <laughs> yeah, officially. Yeah, like you mentioned, there's there's several, I guess, com- more or less competing unofficial approaches. And then there's there's the actual assembly workbench, which is in the code, but it's turned off by default just because it, it doesn't really behave very well. And that was sort of the first attempt at, at the assembly functionality. And so for a long time, uh, it was something that sort of lay dormant in terms of development uh, because it's really pretty difficult and it wasn't until fairly recently that a new uh, developer started contributing to FreeCAD by the name of Real Thunder. So Real Thunder uh, got started, and he's really prolific in terms of the amount of code that he produces. But uh, it's a little difficult in, for a project like FreeCAD in that we only have maybe one uh, very serious C++ reviewer. And so uh, he's very quickly outpaced the ability of this new potentially disruptive code to get merged into master. And so there was sort of a, a, a diversion or divergence of, of uh, functionality for a while. And so just recently, we had a, a very big pull request that got merged about 70,000 lines C++ code. And uh, this is so, sort of very low-level free CAD, changing the behavior that's sort of clearing the path that's going to be required to, to implement assembly in mainline. I would say probably one of the most mature assembly implementations is going to be the assembly three workbench. And for a long time, that actually required running a a real thunders fork of FreeCAD uh, because the the enabling functionality wasn't in the mainline code. And so with this big pull request merge, it's now possible to do that, uh, to run assembly three with, with mainline FreeCAD. And so the next step is to get assembly three itself ported into FreeCAD. Although what will probably end up happening is something not quite assembly three, but maybe drawings with some other functionality of the other assembly implementations to finally get merged. Okay. What were the blockers that caused all these problems? So it's really, I would say one main problem um, and it's called topological naming problem. And so it's, it's a little difficult to explain verbally, but let's say you have a cube and you want to refer to a particular face on the cube. You have to come up with some, numbering scheme to to refer to that and so you know maybe you would start on the bottom you know that'd be face one and then you would go around the sides and end up on the top and so in this case it's not too complicated Um, but if you have something attached to that cube on let's say face one and then you have another operation which changes the number of faces you know you have to make sure that those faces are renumbered in a way that doesn't break the existing relationships and so it's it's a very tricky problem and that was basically the main stumbling block to do to to get this working okay to maintain a stable numbering for the topologies of the of the parts and so that assembly can work reliably with part modifications and the reassembly each time you open up the file exactly you you need a stable way to refer to you know geometric geometric or topological entities so that one thing can depend on another thing and you have to make it robust to changes so that, you know, for example, if you have a, a groove in a face of a cube and that groove, you extend it all the way down, you end up splitting that face and you have all these new extra faces. You have to make sure that 
uh, let's say something attached to that face is in the right spot in the end. So if you try to change a parameter in the beginning of your model, the rest of the model can recompute correctly. Okay. For those uh, looking at the forums, you will be able to see many examples of assembly being presented without even an official workbench. Uh, what is the workaround that or those users are using to, to make it possible to have assemblies in those screenshots? Yeah, so uh, one of the very prolific posters in the, in the forums, uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce the name, but P-P-E-W-M-A-M or something like that. Yeah, he, he uses a fairly manual approach where he just goes in and, and edits the placement of individual parts. And so he'll have uh, sort of a, a master sketch with all the, the different pieces, and then he'll go in and make the, the various pieces and then place them manually. And so for someone who, I guess, is, is, has a quick workflow for doing that, that's okay. But the problem, I guess, that works for, for his workflow where a lot of times he's making, let's say, adapting an existing model, um, like let's say a, a technical drawing and turning that into a FreeCAD model. That's something like that will be fairly static, um, but it, it doesn't really work for a parametric assembly. Okay, something that moves a lot. Like you cannot recalculate the position of each parts easily. Yeah. Like mechanical linkage and all of that. Yeah, exactly. So assembly is kind of the big blocker for the post-beta status of FreeCAD. Do you think in like point 19 is currently in development? So in like kind of two version, you think you're going to have this situation at least uh, partially solved? Yeah, I think so. So right now we're very close to a feature freeze for 0.19. And so in the next year, I would say that assembly functionality, the sort of the impediments have been cleared away to getting that working. And so it's really just a matter of uh, right now, we're sort of still dealing with a few bugs from the, the big merge, as we call it. And so once we've kind of wrapped those up and, and released something that's stable, we can go into actually getting the assembly functionality mainlined. And so with that, we're going to bump, ideally bump to 1.0. Okay. If, if users want to test it out, they should run the dailies of 0.19, the current development dailies, and then use the assembly tree workbench, I suppose. Yeah. So yeah, you can go to GitHub, uh, go to the GitHub repository for FreeCAD. And in the releases page, we have some, uh, you know, as you mentioned, the current development dailies. And then you can just go into the add-on manager and install assembly three directly. And then from there, Uh, once you just restart FreeCAD, then you'll be able to go. Okay, so that's the the, easy, the easiest way to test the solution as of now. Yes, and it's it's nice because previously, like I mentioned, you had to actually run uh, Real Thunder's forked version of FreeCAD, and so that <laughs> often meant compiling it yourself. Yeah, I think, and under Ubuntu, I think there's a daily PPA, and probably there might be uh, under Fedora. I don't know if there's a copper repo for that, or is there? So, There previously was a copper repo in Fedora, but I'm not sure uh, what the maintenance status of that is. Uh, as far as the Ubuntu PPA, though, I maintain the stable and the daily releases for that. So I can definitely say that they're A-plus quality. <laughs> and if, but if you have any bugs, let me know. Okay. Okay. So which software license is used for C3CAD project? And is there any reason for this choice of license? FreeCAD uses LGPL version 2 or later. Uh, and so the main reason that we use that is uh, that's the license of Open Cascade, and so because it's sort of the core of our application, uh, we 
ultimately are going to use the same license. Although there is a little bit more to it. Uh, there's actually a post by one of the founders of FreeCAD, uh, Jurgen Riegel, where he talks about it. And the idea was that uh, he felt that LGPL would make FreeCAD a little bit more amenable to commercial adaptation. And so that was what he went with. Okay. Are you aware of any company using FreeCAD instead of a commercial alternative? So the Lulzbot 3D printer, uh, which is made by uh, Aleph Objects, uh, I know that they were using FreeCAD in the past, uh, and I, I'm not sure what their current status is because I, I just heard that they had a, a fairly large layoffs recently. Um, but other than them, I'm not sure of any other companies that may be using it. Uh, they may just not be letting us know. Okay. And what about universities? As far as universities, I know that there are quite a few that use FreeCAD in their courses. And a lot of times we notice that just from uh, major spikes and people visiting the forums. I'm not sure of any in particular, but I know that in general, it would be participate in Google Summer of Code. And so that's a, a really great way for you know potential FreeCAD developers or people uh, interested in FreeCAD who are going to uh, college or university to get paid to contribute to FreeCAD. And so, yeah, that's a very interesting uh, potential with universities and FreeCAD. Okay. Are there any scientific articles citing FreeCAD or how would it be possible to cite FreeCAD in a paper? So I just uh, just fairly recently went on Google Scholar and just checked this. And so there is actually one uh, that did a, a study on optics. I didn't really dig deeper into it, um, but so I know that they do ex exist at least. And as far as uh, citing FreeCAD, uh, it's interesting because there's a, a an organization that kind of just recently found out about, I recently found out about called JOSS, which is uh, the Journal for Open Source Science, I believe. Journal of Open Source Software. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, JOSS, Journal of Open Source Software. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, I think uh, I was interested, I'm not sure exactly if FreeCAD is quite right for what they are doing, at least As far as, uh, you know, I'm sort of coming in 17 years after, you know, FreeCAD was originally released uh, today. So I don't know if I'd really be the right one to, you know, submit a paper for FreeCAD. But I think if uh, something was in, in that journal, then that would be something that could be cited. Yeah. And so a kind of a push that could be done for for FreeCAD in scientific application is like for, uh, because traditionally it's not a traditional scientific software by itself. It's more like uh, engineering software for designing uh, parts and doing uh, assemblies. But eventually, like for designing scientific apparatus, that could be interesting to use FreeCAD as a standard to, to so that the model could be shared among research teams. Absolutely. So I, I know, for example, there's an open hardware project uh, using FreeCAD, I believe, that... Uh, I think they're working on a camera. And so something like that, you know, could be very easily adapted or rather, uh, you know, you could, you know, those sort of same sort of principles, you could go and, and make sort of an open source microscope. And so uh, CERN recently uh, announced a sort of a push for open hardware. And so, yeah, there's definitely some interesting possibilities there as far as applications, FreeCAD for designing scientific equipment. Yeah. Talking about the community or possible community, uh, currently the FreeCAD community, how much, how many people are currently involved in the project roughly? Uh, it's hard to say. So um, I would say there's maybe on the order of five super active developers. Uh, and then there's a long tail of maybe 20 or so less active, moderately active developers. 
And then there's a very uh, large number of people beyond that who, let's say, help out in the forums or uh, do sort of free cat evangelism and so forth. Okay. And what are the main communications channels within the project? So the forum is, is where everything happens. Although we do also have a subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash freecad. And then we also have a, a Twitter account, uh, freecad news, uh, that has some announcements as well. But I would say the, definitely the main venue for communication is in the, fr in the forum. Okay. But is it the same communication channels for developer and for support requests and general discussions? Or do you have a mailing list for developers or for pull requests or those things? Yeah, so it's it's uh there's separate sections. So we have I guess sub forums. We have sort of the user section, the developer section, and then we have uh, sort of a third section for every other language besides English, uh, so that the international community can help each other help each other out in their native languages. Okay. So is the project actively looking for contributors, or are you searching for specific contributors like documentation writing or translating, or can people contribute without having knowledge of Python or C++ programming? Absolutely. So one thing with FreeCAD is that it has the difficulty of not being super user-friendly, and so anyone can come in basically and, and try to document, let's say, You know, when they open up the program, they were expecting something and maybe they tried to do something and, and instead of what they expected, something else happened. And so even, you know, if you have no familiarity with CAD, you can go in and, and you know, write about your experiences and, and let people know. It's like report bugs if you, if you try to find something and join the community. And so one of the big things is also just FreeCAD can do so much, but a lot of people don't know just how much it can do. And so... Also, just going in and reading the forums and sharing things that you find interesting, even that would be a great help. Okay, so if someone is going to GitHub and looks into the bugs, is there any bug labeled with an easy first-time bug to fix, or how easy is it to find a bug someone could work on? Well, so <laughs> uh, I guess going to GitHub, you'll probably notice that I think the The issues tab may be disabled. Uh, at least I think it should be. And although we, you know, I would like to probably move to GitHub for bug tracking as well. We actually run our own, but I rather uh, run our bug tracker. And so it's on a separate website, freecadweb.org slash tracker. And we do have, uh, I think, a low-hanging fruit tag that you can go on there and, and actually see some of the bite-sized bugs that we have prepared. Okay. And uh, we'll, we'll switch to a slightly louder topic. Uh, what is your vision about FLOSS and its importance for the openness of science? I think it's absolutely vital. If you can't really reproduce it, then is it really science? <laughs> so uh, I think that it's only going to become more important. And if it isn't, then that's kind of uh, not good for the healthiness of science in the future uh, to continue to rely on closed source tools and so forth. Okay. And as an engineer, you, you, you really see it important to use uh, FLOSS tools as much as possible. Yeah. And so on the topic, actually, of FLOSS and engineering, one of the FreeCAD community members I mentioned, the transportation engineer in Illinois, um, but yeah, he has a talk specifically on why FLOSS is important for engineering. And it's, it's really, if you don't control your tools, you know, then you aren't really in control of your own profession is, is sort of his argument. Yeah. 
I saw that. I saw his presentation as well. Oh, you did? Yeah, I saw. That, that's. I, yeah. I was getting you there. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's great. Um, and do you think floss can have neg negative impact on science? Hmm. Well, I guess it's it's a good thing to consider potential negative impacts. Uh, but I guess I can't really think of any at the moment. You know, there's sort of the prestige element of you know brand name software, but I, I don't think that you know the continuation of that is, is super great. Okay, we are almost done with the interview, and we will proceed with some of our classic quick questions. In recent years, what do you think was the most notable scientific discovery? I guess uh, maybe my Python fanboy showing, but I think the imaging of a black hole with Python is absolutely incredible. Besides the fact that you know imaging of a black hole is something I would have never considered possible as a child. But, you know, the fact that it was done in Python, I think, is a great validator of or a great indicator of the validity of Python's scientific ecosystem. Okay. One question we asked all our interviewers is, what is your favorite text processing tool? I use NeoVim. Okay. <laughs> But if you use Nano, that's good, too. You know, whatever gets the job done. <laughs> Nano power user unite. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I always have to uh, run update alternate to change my default editor because uh, on Ubuntu it's Nano and I have to switch that around. Uh, is there a topic in science about which you recently changed your mind about? No. And so I guess, you know, I saw, I <laughs> saw this question. And I was like, ah, oh, I probably should. Right. But I guess, you know, if I, if I saw some evidence, I would love to change my mind about something in science. <laughs> is there anything else we forgot to ask you about than that we should have known to ask you about or anything else you would like to share with us? Yeah. So, uh, At FOSDIM 2020, uh, there's going to be a FreeCAD presentation on Saturday at, I want to say, 11.30 a.m. And so uh, uh, York, um, myself, and Sliptonic, uh, who is one of the main uh, developers of the Path Workbench, are going to be presenting uh, sort of the talking about the FreeCAD uh, ecosystem. And so if anyone's attending, uh, feel free to come say hi. Uh, we're going to be there all weekend, and we may even have a free cat specific space at Austin. Mm, nice. It's, it will be a joint talk between the three of you? Exactly. Okay. How long will be the talk? Do you... It's a half hour talk. Okay. Well, that's, that, there's a lot of things that could be said in half an hour. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's uh, the open source design ecosystems around FreeCAD is the specific title. Okay. So some of our listeners will probably look this up. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, thank you Kurt for your time in this interview uh, for our listeners what is the best way to contact you uh, so you can find me on twitter at the Kurt WK and I blog at kwk.systems slash blog okay thank you thank Thanks. you This will be all for today's episode of the Floss for Science podcast. I hope you enjoyed the interview. You can reach me on Twitter at DLPK. And you can reach me at underscore DBrass or both of us at Floss for Science. Also, we are on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music and Spotify. You can help us by recommending our show to your friends and colleagues. Our current schedule is to release an episode on the first Wednesday of every month. Our website is located at flossforscience.com where you can find all of our contact informations and a link to our GitHub page, where you can submit subject ideas for future episodes. You can also listen to our episodes or find the RSS feed to get all of our interviews delivered directly to your favorite podcast player. 
We hope you enjoyed the show and that we will see you all in your next episode. Bye. Bye.